Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. All right, hour number three as we are halfway through here on a Saturday. John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason, we're with you until 1 o'clock. Phone line's open, 888-957-9570. Text line open as well, the Xfinity mobile text line as we're getting everybody geared up, Whitey, for game for tomorrow, Warriors and the Nuggets from Denver, as I am coming to you from Denver, Colorado, uh, where the Warriors will play the Nuggets tomorrow, trying to close out the series. A good conversation uh, just before the top of the hour there, Whitey uh, Willard and Dibbs had with uh, Gary Payton the second. Where, where did you stand on the uh, on, on the butt pat and all of that from uh, from game one of the series? I'm going to go back a ways, J.D. It reminded me of something that happened years and years and years ago in the World Series, but bear with me, I'm going somewhere. The Phillies were playing the Royals, and Jose Cardinal was the hitter late in one of the games, and he's facing Tug McGraw, the Phillies' uh, closer. Jose Cardinal swings and, and, and loses his bat. It goes out towards the pitcher's mound. Tug McGraw comes out, picks up the bat, hands it to him, but instead of handing it to him, he sticks it right in his stomach, like as if he's stabbing him. <laughs> And and the Phillies, uh, they dominated that series. Kind of reminds me of that. Not quite as uh, demonstrative. But to me, I don't blame Jokic for getting angry at that. But I don't blame Gary Payton, the second, for doing it. It was like, it was kind of like, we own you. I just blocked your shot. You're Jokic and I'm GP2. I just blocked your shot. And, you know, the Warriors need that edge. He plays with that edge. Jordan Poole plays with a type of edge. Draymond, of course, brings the Warriors most of their edge. So I thought it was a really good example of what makes the Warriors special. And, yeah, like I said, I don't blame Jokic for getting upset, but, I mean, you you kind of earned that because GP2 just blocked your shot. Yeah, and it, it was interesting. It blocked his shot in that game, and it was the third time he's blocked – his shot this season, which is wow. which is remarkable, and I I think that was the first moment where it kind of felt like maybe the Warriors are going to be able to unravel the Nuggets, and there, there's been a few of those moments in this series. Obviously, Demarcus Cousins getting ejected in Game One, the the butt pat with with Gary Payton and and, and Jokic and Jokic's reaction there, Jokic getting ejected from from Game Two and basically having enough after the Warriors had started to embarrass them in the second half. I mean, the second half of Game 2 felt like the 2015-16 Warriors inside Chase Center. It really did. The vibe where I think, you know, it was a, it was a hey, we're putting it on you. We're kind of rubbing your nose in it. And it, was, mm-hmm. it just had that, that dominant feel. That that really again, I know it's the Nuggets and they're shorthanded and all of that, but it, it was a, it was a half that 
I think kind of put the rest of the league on notice a little bit if you were watching it, that, that the Warriors have some of that swag back. Different team, mm-hmm. different players, different version, but got some of that playoff swag back in, in that moment and in that game. One of the things that concerns me about tomorrow is, you know, the NBA, they don't like sweeps. They like <laughs> to have more games, right? I mean, who why, who could blame them? Uh, it's funny because I remember last week, I think we both picked uh, the Warriors in six. You might have gone five, but I remember officially picking the Warriors in six. But last week as our show ended, I said, hey, you know, Sunday we're going to be talking about a sweep. I don't know if you remember that. I had officially predicted six, but I did say at the end of the show, I'll see you next week, next Sunday, when the Warriors go for the sweep. But I wouldn't be surprised tomorrow if Jokic shoots 50 free throws. Uh, I'm not predicting it. I'm just saying I don't think it's really going to matter in the long run where he's going to win this series. But I wouldn't be surprised if the officials end up calling a lot of fouls on the Warriors tomorrow. It's just something if you've watched the NBA for a long time, you know that sometimes it happens, J.D. That's all I'm saying. Sometimes it happens. And, and I thought there there were some moments it, it did end up evening out in, in Game 3. I thought there were some moments in Game 3 where, where it was like that. But both teams got in the penalty and – and the Nuggets wound up with a four-point advantage at the free-throw line in, in Game 3. Uh, and the advantage, though, uh, it was only because Steph Curry and Jordan Poole can't make free-throws <laughs> for some reason. At least they couldn't. I know doing Warriors wrap-up after the game, Whitey, on, on Thursday night, a lot of consternation over the the 18 for 28 overall. And it was funny. It was 9 for 14 going into the fourth quarter. And then there were 14, they were nine for 14 in the fourth quarter to 18 for 28 for the night. So the fourth quarter mirrored the first three quarters combined. But for all of the concern, and and I want to get your take on this, 18 for 28, you missed 10 free throws, but five of the misses were from the top two free throw shooters in the league with, with Poole missing three and Curry missing two. Probably never see that again. I, I would bet that we will never see that again in a Warrior game, that those two combined for, for five misses. And, of course, it came right after Steph had struggled uh, converting a couple of technicals in the previous game, and Poole was asked after that game, are you going to shoot the you going to shoot the text? And he gave the same answer GP2 gave there about Jokic, like no comment. And then he missed three in the last game. So if you're Michael Malone and you're really struggling here, I don't know, a hack of pool strategy gives you about as likely a path to victory as anything. But I am wondering if maybe we see him uh, going after Wiggins or Draymond or somebody because they're they're out of tricks, right? J.D., I mean, there's nothing more Denver can try, and it, it worked for him in San Francisco before the break, going to the hack of Looney. I don't know if that game is anything close to being a competitive game down the stretch. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm kidding, of course, about now we're going to get the text. I can't believe what he said they should hack pool. Uh, you know, I, I'm kidding about that, but I wouldn't be surprised if the uh, Nuggets try something screwy like that. Yeah, here come the texts already, I'm sure. Here come the texts. Not only is Jordan Poole better than Kevin Durant, but the Nuggets should expose his poor free throw shooting. <laughs> yeah. See, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Something was going on. <laughs> something was going on with the with the elbow and I think the wrist. I mean, it, it looked like it was maybe more the wrist when when he got the wrap put on the on the left wrist. I I thought something was going on where he just wasn't wasn't feeling a hundred percent, and maybe that affected a, a couple of pools free throws that that were just all so used to to going in. That would have to be the case, I would think, because going back to his rookie year, 
which we don't like to go back to, but so often I end up going back to that. But even then, as he struggled, remember, J.D., you could see this guy's a really good free throw shooter, which is one of the things you look at as a guy, a good shooter. He's struggling from three-point range, but, man, he can shoot free throws. That was really scary, and let me ask you, we've, we've had no follow-up, right? I'm, I'm assuming he banged it. Maybe there was a nerve issue short-term, but when they – you know, when they put that air cast or whatever on it, that was a little scary. But there's, as far as we know, he's fine, right? There, there are no issues going forward health-wise. Yeah, no issues going forward. And, again, the official injury, injury report uh, should be out here before we're off the air in, in the next couple of hours as we're now inside 24 hours to go or coming up on inside 24 hours to go uh, before the game. We will be when we get off the air at, at 1 o'clock. 888-957-9570. John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason here on 95.7 The Game. Just running through some of the, the conversation surrounding Game 3 and, and on into Game 4. Uh, and looking ahead a little bit, uh, although it does feel somewhat premature uh, with the, the Grizzlies up 2-1 on Minnesota and and their game four uh, set to be played what later tonight right their game four is mm-hmm. is tonight I, I believe and we'll see if Minnesota's got anything uh, left in the tank that's the the final game of the the quadruple header coming up uh, coming up tonight uh, as far as you know you got Philly and the Raptors going at it right now just underway Mavs and Jazz in Salt Lake City uh, a little bit later this afternoon. And then the Celtics and Nets are going to play game three that this evening. And then uh, the Grizzlies and Timberwolves are going to wrap things up with their uh, round one game four and the Timberwolves trying to bounce back. So all eyes starting with the one game to go for the Warriors, uh, at least us in the media and, and I think the fan base shifting toward what a second round series potentially could look like Whitey against Memphis. Yeah, I'm excited about it already, and you're right. We got to, you know, there's still some pizza left in that box for the Grizzlies. By the way, today, that third game of the four that you mentioned, Boston at Brooklyn, I think Robert Williams third is supposed to play in that game at least a little bit. And then in the fourth game, uh, Ben Simmons is supposed to play. So I'm sure the league, and I'm not suggesting they're going to do anything untoward, but the league would really love for that series to to last. They don't want to see Boston wrap that up quickly. We'll see how it goes, but... um. Memphis um, against Minnesota. Minnesota had a lot of questions to answer in that play-in game against the Clippers, and they did it. They came through, but the collapse at home. Then they won the first game against uh, Memphis. That collapse at home, I think that's going to leave a mark, and I think from here, we'll see. I think the Grizzlies got this one. I also suspect, J.D., and you know this is, this is awfully hard to prove, but I think that the Grizzlies have been looking past Minnesota. And you know we know how badly the Grizzlies want the Warriors and they want to beat the Warriors. I wouldn't be surprised if they've been looking past the Timberwolves a little bit in this series. Yeah, and and you know do that at, at your own peril. I, I think that's the one thing with the Grizzlies, and we touched on this a little bit. I think in, in the first hour, where I really like the Warriors, and look, they they pose the Grizzlies pose some some physical advantages over the Warriors in terms of their length and their their style of play and size and things that can be problematic for the Warriors. They've been an incredibly difficult matchup for the Warriors the last two years. Again, I know this team's significantly better, this Warriors team, than, than the team last year. The Grizzlies knocked the Warriors out in the play-in tournament, stole their spot uh, as the nine seed, moving up to the to the eight seed uh, back in, in May at, at Chase Center last year. But for all of the talent, and, and the Grizzlies are a, a young, 
talented team that I think is starting to believe that their time could be now, meaning this season, they haven't won a playoff series yet. And and I think that's you're seeing a little bit of, of maybe an immaturity or an impatience in trying to to handle the process of of taking care of business against a team that's as talented as Minnesota, but still a team with as volatile as the Timberwolves are that the Grizzlies should beat. Uh, and it looks like they're they're on their way to winning that series, even though it's been a little more clunky than I think they they would have liked the big comeback in, in game three. But but the point about Memphis for me is I'm seeing hints of immaturity to where they could be exploited by the veteran presence and leadership in play for the Warriors who suddenly have things clicking on all cylinders against this Denver team. I know it doesn't all translate because the talent wins out and the matchups and and the the size and and all of that, the length, but I'm starting to see as far as the, the focus and the mental ability advantages for the Warriors in that the Grizzlies are still trying to figure out, I think, how to win at a playoff level. Yeah, we'll see uh, if they're on their way after that big comeback. I my guess would be that they've they've stabilized things in this series, and this is going to be that it, it might be too much emotion for them if they get the words. We know how badly they want to beat them. I think it's going to be you know to borrow your one of your favorite phrases, it's going to be such a juicy series if that's what we get. The words, the way they're moving the ball, yeah, they're moving the ball against the, the Denver Nuggets, but they're going to have to be you know player movement, ball movement, which is the the basis of their offense. That's the best way to combat the way the Grizzlies can stop you on the perimeter and they try to body you up and they can't body you up if they can't catch you. And I think getting out in transition, I'm getting way ahead of myself previewing the next round, but for the Warriors to get out in transition, you know, to beat that uh, Memphis defense before they get set up in the half court, those are going to be keys. And the Denver series has been great for the Warriors because it's been such a such a great opportunity to get those things rolling. As we've said a million times, the chance to kind of warm up in a playoff series and get everything together, it's a, it's a rare luxury, and the Warriors are enjoying that and making the most of that right now against a Denver team that had a really nice season, but clearly they have they have hit their ceiling, and it's been uh, great to see the way the Warriors have made the most of this. Fingers crossed for the sweep tomorrow. Let's get to some phone calls. Jeremy is up next here on 95.7, the game on Warriors this week. What's going on, Jeremy? Hey, hey, what's up, fellas? Uh, good, to, good to listen to you on this beautiful Saturday. Um, listen, man, I'll, I'll get right into it. I'm, I'm confident that the Warriors can get it done tomorrow. Um, but closeout games are different, man. You, you know Denver's going to be coming out aggressive and, and because they don't want to go home, you know? So I think if we can kind of, you know, clamp them down and, and just limit the turnovers. I think we can close it out. Um, and the, the last thing that does concern me is the start time because we're not used to playing that early in the day. So um, if we can just kind of focus on what we need to do, I think we can close them out. Let's go Dubs. Appreciate it, Jeremy. Yeah, closeout games are different. The impression I get is that the Nuggets will not lay down. I don't think Michael Malone would, would allow them to lay down. I do think that the Nuggets have some tough-minded players, even as overmatched as they've been at, at times. But the feeling that I got from being in the building on Thursday night and, and just how deflated the air was in, in there after a, a hearty crowd, it was not the Warrior takeover that, that some had anticipated that it could be. And, but it was definitely a vibe of, man, the Nuggets played really well for 
long stretches of this game, had a lead, couldn't get it done, and I almost feel like the best shot that the Nuggets had was Thursday night in Game 3. They didn't get it done, and I would almost wonder if they could even replicate the game that they had on Thursday tomorrow. Now, that's not to say the Warriors maybe look ahead and and know they've kind of got this wrapped up, and you know, come out with maybe a little bit of a lack of focus. You don't want to see bad habits, and there were some more careless turnovers in Game Three uh, compared to the, the first two games of, of the series. So I think the Warriors' focus level is a part of it. I don't think Denver lays down, but I also don't think Whitey that Denver, in all likelihood, would play as well as they did in Game Three unless the Warriors really help them out. I agree. It's you know, it's possible that somebody like Will Barton goes off and just has a monster game, monster shooting game, but I don't think they have that next gear. Aaron Gordon also played better in the last game. I don't think they have that next gear and just watching on TV, I know you were there, but I got the same sense. Um, there's a sense of uh, being deflated there around the team and, and, and in the crowd. And Jokic has lost and he's a great player. But he, he's lost seven straight playoff games. So it just seems like there's a sense they're surrounding the team and the fans that, all right, this is the, there's not a sense of, here we go, come on, let's show them. It's more like, we can't play with these guys, even when the coach is saying it. So, yeah, Denver's not going to roll over. They're, they're, they're proud professionals, but I just don't think they have the wherewithal to bring a better effort, to your point, than, than they did in game three. Right, and and so I think at that point there's a real opportunity for the Warriors to to get it done, and and getting it done, we'll see what happens with the Grizzlies and Timberwolves tonight. If if the Timberwolves are able to bounce back and win, I know we're not high on that prospect right now, but if the Timberwolves are able to win, that would mean that Memphis at that point would be playing at least until f- next Friday, uh, mm-hmm. with the way that the layout of of that series is. I think it's I think they go Tuesday Friday as far as their games being a little bit more spread out uh, as the as the series would continue for, for then Game 5 back in Memphis and, and a Game 6 in, in Minnesota. So that in and of itself would force the Grizzlies to have to play, even if they win a late game in all likelihood Friday night on the road. And I know Memphis and, and Minnesota not not terribly far from each other, but a, a late game on Friday night, and I know I mentioned this last week, toward the end of the show, if that series ends in six, the next series could and and most likely would start a week from tomorrow and maybe even a week from tomorrow in an ABC television window, meaning mm. an afternoon game uh, like, like the slot tomorrow. Or even, you know, I, I don't think they would put Memphis in an early game, but Memphis is in the central time zone, which means they could – they could, in theory, play that game if they wanted to at at noon Central Time and at 10 a.m. Pacific. So uh, I think it would probably more likely to be the 12:30 or 2:30 Central. But if if they need games and ABC does have to fill games, maybe there's some Game Sevens that day that could be played. But if there aren't Game Sevens, they would move Game One of the next series as long as everything is concluded by Game Six on Friday night into one of those slots. So there there is a a potential real advantage for the Warriors in terms of of rest and having to travel to Memphis for for game 1 and the Timberwolves I'm sorry and the Grizzlies having to maybe close out a series in in 6 if Minnesota can get one more uh, with possibly their best chance being tonight 
my guess would be that uh, any Warrior game is probably not going to be slotted early because I know Memphis is not much of a draw, but the Warriors, you know, ABC, ESPN, they love having the Warriors primetime or close to it. But 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 we'll see. Here's one thing that I think could benefit the Warriors tomorrow, and obviously you want to make every shot. You don't want to have a game where you don't shoot well. The shooting has been almost off the charts to this point in the first three games. As a team, they're shooting 54%. They're shooting 44% from the three-point line. My point is this, especially going into the next round where you may play Memphis, I think it might be useful if they do struggle to make shots tomorrow. They probably won't, and certainly they don't want to, but if they do, I think, and you have to slug it out and win a, a, a grittier game, an ugly game, I think that might benefit them in the next round. Again, I'm not suggesting they should intentionally miss shots but if they do win an uglier game you know this has almost been too easy for them against the Nuggets I think they're that they could benefit from that too if it comes to where you win a lower scoring ugly game that would be of some benefit to have to go through that for the next round because the next round is probably going to be a lot more like that yeah and you don't want this series to linger uh, that just more yeah. opportunities and we've seen it with all of the injuries across the board in the NBA in the first week of the playoffs any extra game that you play is an extra game where, where somebody would have the potential to, to get a little tweak here or banged up there and put the next series in jeopardy. And obviously that's true for, for everybody. We're already seeing it with, with Phoenix. We saw it with Dallas having to play without Luka the first three games of this series. Embiid apparently has been playing banged up. Uh, and and so he's trying to get healthy. And, and of course, uh, you know, it's just – a lot of injuries just across the board uh, in the in the early going of of this series. So you know want, you want to play uh, the lowest amount of games as as possible. As for the the one thirty Mountain Time start here tomorrow twelve thirty back in the Bay. I do think that's a the Warriors historically and and look it's a little different. But in the Steve Kerr era, the Warriors have been really good in in those games in the playoffs. There's been some times in the regular season where they've had some clunkers in that 1230 window. I know there's been a handful of games in L.A. Uh, that that uh, over the years in that ABC window where the Warriors have kind of randomly struggled uh, and, and, and even lost. But in the Kerr era in the playoffs, the Warriors have been excellent. And I don't have the exact number, but – and again, the team – it's a new box maybe for this team to check, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. – I, you know, I know from a practice standpoint, they had a later practice yesterday, a lighter practice, but a later practice around 3 o'clock here in Denver. Uh, yesterday, after the win on Thursday, they had an early practice this morning. Uh, we're obviously an hour ahead here in the Mountain Time Zone, so they were they were on the practice floor in the 10 o'clock hour here, so in the 9 o'clock hour back in the Bay, having a practice to get the body clock going and get things rolling a little bit early in advance of, of the game tomorrow. So the Warriors should be Whitey as, as prepared as possible for what will be the, the one thirty tip off here, 1230 back in the Bay. Let me just circle back on something. And you were kind not to correct me on this, but as we talked about next week and maybe a Sunday game and I said, Oh, they like to have the Warriors on prime time. Of course, Sunday, the afternoon slot is the prime time. They don't, yes. you know, no one watches Sunday night. So yeah, that was a great point you made. And I said, Oh, they're prime time, but prime time on a Sunday would be an earlier afternoon slot. You're absolutely correct. Yeah. The two, the, the two prime ABC slots, like the best two games of the day next Sunday are 10 a.m. Pacific and 12.30 p.m. Yeah, Pacific. Yeah. So if, right. if the Warriors and Grizzlies are ready to roll, I, I think they're going to be in. And usually the 10 a.m. is not 
it wouldn't be a factor. And I think the they would prefer the Warriors to be in the twelve thirty mm-hmm. uh, Pacific slot, three thirty Eastern slot. But because that game would be in the Central Time Zone, there would be a possibility that it could even be an early, you know, it could even be the early, early one. Mm. I would say not likely, and whether there's game sevens that day will we'll ultimately determine it, but it is it is possible. All right, let's get Manuel in Dublin in here uh, before we before we pause. What's going on, Manuel? Hey, good morning, guys. I mean, I really don't like those 12.30 games, to be honest with you. Man. I love a Saturday night special. Hey, but, um, hey, guys, uh, why do you I, – I was telling you talking to uh, um, um, Ray the other day about, you know, that little factor with the, uh, with Andre. I, I agree with you, even though Ray kind of dismissed it. And then, uh, J.D., what do you think – what's the conversation that Coach has with uh, Moody and, and, and Kaminga? Does he tell him way before the series starts that, hey, man um, – you're not going to get minutes, or is it kind of like a day-to-day thing? Where, you know the mood of the game and what what the coach is feeling is going to put him in the, in the get him a run in the game a little bit. Uh, I I think what he's telling him is be ready because yeah. there's an an injury or somebody you know gets in foul trouble and you could be in the game at some point. I know Moody specifically. And a lot of the young players always out early before game three, really out early working with the coaching staff, really getting uh, extended workouts in, I think, to try and get a little bit more of a cardio run because they know they're probably not not going to be playing. But but staying ready, working on their game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as far as the point Manuel made, I agree with you. I don't think Steve Kerr is going to go, hey, Moses, just so you know, you know, you might not get some minutes. No, it's just like go to practice and then especially when you're young and you sit on the bench and when I tell you go in the game, you're going to go in the game. That's the way it works. Manuel was referring to something I was talking about with Ray yesterday, talking about um, the Iguodala factor and how Memphis is so motivated to beat the Warriors and how maybe they're manufacturing some of this, but they're angry about what uh, you know Iguodala kind of left them when, when he was traded there and didn't want to go there. And Ray said he didn't think there really was anything to that. I think there is. Uh, and I think, uh, to me, J.D., that was one reason why Iguodala played in that game at Memphis. I think somebody maybe decided, you know what? Whenever we go there, and we may go there in the playoffs, we're going to hear it. You're going to hear it. They're going to focus a lot. Let's diffuse some of that by just letting them get it out of their system now. So, you know, it's just one more thing for Memphis to get fired up about. But I do think that's a – it's going to be a real rivalry. This is really becoming a real rivalry, and it's only going to intensify if they play in a playoff series. Yeah, let, let's keep. We'll go ahead and keep this segment rolling here uh, for for about ten minutes since uh, my, my clock management today not great, Whitey. Like, admittedly, like not not playoff form today for for clock management. Man, just pushing through times and supposed breaks. Uh, no, uh, JD, look, 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 JD. <laughs> got to be better on the clock. Well, it's tough when you got mountain time and then you got, you know, and then specific time, a lot of different factors you got to calculate here, Andy Reid. It is screw. It is screw. Yeah, exactly. It is screwing with me every time I look up at, at my computer and it says an hour ahead of uh, the bay. Because I look and it's like, wait, we're on till one and it's already 1230. I don't want to confuse anybody. But yeah, 1130, right. obviously back in the in the Bay and in California. So no excuses. No excuses. J.D., nothing that's easy. The, uh, yeah, you hear the you know the Marvin Barnes story, famous Marvin Barnes story. He was a player in the ABA where they were flying from St. Louis to Memphis or something. So they were gonna <laughs> with the time change, they were gonna arrive at an earlier time than they left. And he said, "I ain't right. getting on no time machine." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I have. 
<laughs> I had forgot. I had heard that story, and yet, and I've actually experienced. I've experienced that. I think one time going from Chicago to Cleveland, or I, I think uh-huh. it was, or maybe Cleveland to Chicago. I, I can't remember which way it was, and I'm yeah, not. I'm not yeah. going to think it through here. But I actually landed. 15 minutes before we left because the flight was so short and there was a time change and it was it was one of those where yeah you you leave it you leave at 8 30 and arrive at like 8 25 it was yeah kind of bizarre yeah bad news one wouldn't have any any of that but it's interesting the Warriors kind of turning the clock back jd that's that's why i think this series is so important these playoffs so important to them you know, they've won all these championships, but for the core to, if they can win, they would never admit this, I don't think, but if they can win so many years after the first one and without Durant, I think that's one reason why you're seeing the intensity that, that the, one of our texters or callers mentioned earlier. This would be, of all the championships, I, without a doubt, this would be the sweetest for Draymond and Steph and Clay, right, if they were able to do it after all these years and without Kevin Durant. It, it it really would change a lot of the the conversation. I mean, there were many that thought the the championship days were done for for Steph and and Clay and Draymond. But to do it essentially the first year that the three of them were back together and and really back together for for half a year and and really not even back together for half a year because yeah they played together what eleven minutes and now trying to get it together on the fly. I mean, it it would be an incredible statement if those three went from the five finals and and Durant was a part of that, but, but those three went to all five and, and obviously Iguodala as well. But for those players to go to the five, have the injuries set the last two seasons prior to this one down the path that it did, where the Warriors didn't have a shot to win a championship, but to come back now with a, a young developed player in Jordan Poole as, as the, the fourth adding to the trio and playing as dominantly as he is and to win a champion. Like if you go final, you know, championship finals, championship, championship finals, basically injury injuries wreck two years and then right back to a, a finals and or a championship, that is a shot across the bow in a major way that the Warriors franchise essentially kind of runs the league again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It would be kind of Spurs-esque when you look at the gap between what they won in 99 and then they won in 2014 and a lot of what the Warriors do, they pattern themselves after the Spurs. I was on the air about a year ago. Remember last year, the calendar was a little different because the season started later, so the playoffs hadn't started yet. I was on the air with somebody on the station here, J.D., and he was making the case that I think the Warriors should get rid of Steph and tear it down. And I think some of that, you know, he was trying to get people uh, agitated, whatever. But there were fans going, yeah, I kind of see what you mean. And at the time, it was I thought it was kind of ridiculous, but I understood where it was going. And here we are uh, a year later, and they are, as you said earlier, in the minds of many, the favorite to win another championship. It would be remarkable, and there's a long ways to go. But the fact that they're uh, even in the conversation, it's been a remarkable year, and I think the best is yet to come one way or the other. So how do the Warriors play things out in Game 4 tomorrow with the 3-0 lead? You don't want a series to linger. And then the big question of the day, and it has been the big question, I think, for the last couple of days, really going back to Game 2 when when Steph Curry played so well off the bench and the 23 minutes and the 34 points back on, on Monday at Chase Center, he goes off again for 27 off the bench in 31 minutes in Game 3. When does Steph get back into the starting lineup? 
Uh, we had a lot of calls in the first couple of hours uh, about that. And the other thing, Whitey, should the Warriors now be considered title favorites? I know with the injury to Devin Booker, the Warriors vaulting up the list in terms of in terms of favorite. I know uh, looking at uh, updated title odds uh, via Odds PR, uh, who I, I get uh, some email and sportsbetting.ag. Uh, just looking at one, the Warriors now uh, plus 275 to win the NBA championship, uh, number one on the list. It's now the Warriors, the favorite, Boston two, Phoenix three, Miami four, Milwaukee five. Just for, for, for giggles, Memphis is six on that list. Mm. Should the Warriors be the title favorite right now, Whitey? Hmm. Um, depends on Devin Booker's hamstring, not to dodge a question. If he's healthy, Phoenix should still be the favorite. I think a lot of that is based on what people are seeing in the Denver series, and it's just going to be a whole different animal in the next round. And the Warriors are certainly among the favorites. Um, before the playoffs started, I questioned whether they were a legitimate contender with before Steph was even back and all the questions they had. And we've said it a number of times today so far in this series, check, check, check. Yeah, they're good to go. Everything's looking great. They're legitimate contenders. To me, I think to say they're the favorite, um, I think that's based on people getting maybe a little carried away with how easily they're they're dispatching the Nuggets. It's impressive, and it shows that they can play Warrior basketball again at both ends of the floor. But to me, if Devin Booker's injury is as minor as it appears it is, I mean, with what Phoenix did this year, I still think Phoenix realistically is the favorite. Yeah, I, I don't think they're the favorite right now. And, and we got to see how long Booker's going to be out. And I know he would – look, the Suns have their own issues to deal with before the conference finals, and so do the Warriors. So you don't want to get two steps ahead. I know everybody's kind of focused on the second round. But the one thing that I did throw out there, I mean, we're, th- we're three and a half weeks away now from the conference finals starting. Basically three, three weeks away is the – from Monday is the, the earliest date that the conference finals – uh, could start, and so you you look at it, and I mean, the if this Booker thing lingers, even if Phoenix gets through, he could be in a spot where he's just trying to come back, true, and and be able to to ramp up in the biggest series of the season at that point. Yeah, just for folks at home, May the sixteenth. Um, or May the 18th, Monday and a Wednesday there in the middle of May are the are the two days that that the conference finals in the West would start. So, I mean, we're we're getting we're getting close to that here. It's coming up quick, about three weeks away. Doris Burke last night. I don't know if you saw this after the the Suns win over New Orleans. She was on with Van Pelt, and she said. Phoenix is a really, really good team, but without Devin Booker, they're not a championship team. And then there's also this, as we all know, and you hate to say this, but with so many guys getting hurt and pulling hamstrings, I mean, you know, if you're a Suns fan right now, you're just, oh, my goodness, I hope Chris Paul's able to figure out somehow how to avoid an injury, right? I mean, last year it was his thumb, and he's had a history of hamstring pulls, and I'm not wishing it happens. I, I'm not a big fan of him, but I love to watch him play, but that's just the reality, and if Booker's not healthy, and then if something happens to Paul, and it may not, I know it's probably not fair to say, but history tells us something to keep an eye on, then the the equation totally changes for them. Yeah, if something were to happen to Paul, obviously with, with Booker already out, they would night, be in, night. in major major danger. Yeah. Night, night. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Maybe not against the Pelicans, but 
at that point they would be they would be in in major trouble. Yeah. I think even against a team like Dallas with yeah. with Luka Doncic yeah. able to come back. I mean, could you imagine if the if the Mavs are able to win this series? And I know there was some thought that that Luka, uh, you know, Luka could come back at at some point. And I'm looking at the questionable officially for for the game this afternoon at last glance. But if they could win this series or get up 3-1 even in this series without Luka Doncic and allow him to come back, could you imagine if they win the series without Luka Doncic and he's able to get the the remaining maybe four days of the series plus another three or four before they actually have to play a team like Phoenix? We, we, it reminds me of what you said about this series last week, which I'll get to in just a moment. But just to clarify what you were saying there, and I know you probably have it in front of you, Woj says increasing optimism that Luca will make his return uh, tonight. That's the sources telling ESPN. He's going to go through warm-ups, and if there's no setbacks on his left calf strain, then the plan is for him to play limited minutes. Uh, so that's the plan tonight. But you said last week, you said if Utah – can't get through Dallas without Luka playing. You said, there's no excuses for that. And I totally agree with you. I thought, wow, they caught a break taking on the Mavericks without Luka. But the way they imploded and kept giving up big leads down the stretch of the regular season, if they get knocked out by a Dallas team that plays much of the series without Luka, there is no question that you got to get rid of the coach. You got to figure out Mitchell, Gobert, maybe get rid of the whole thing. Maybe it's time to clean house in Utah. Yeah, it, it, it's over in a big way. And just within the last hour on the Luka note, uh, updating the injury report, uh, he's been upgraded just within the last hour from questionable to probable. So in line with the with the Woj reporting on that, the official injury report here from about 10 minutes ago has, has Luka Doncic officially listed as probable for the game. So he is going to play some minutes in, in Utah as those two teams go at it. 888-957-9570. John Dickinson, Whitey Gleason. We'll go ahead and pause here. More phone calls, more text messages. When do the Warriors get Steph Curry back in the starting lineup? Should it be tomorrow? How do the Warriors handle game four against the Nuggets here in Denver? We'll continue the conversation next on 95.7 The Game. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason, 888-957-9570. As uh, we roll on here, about an hour plus to go. Uh, the 510 checking in here on the Xfinity Mobile text line. Luca is a great player, but the Mavericks are more balanced without him. He's like a Houston Harden, dribbles, 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 dribbles. Interesting there. Uh, I mean, they obviously need him to be the best version of themselves, but it has been impressive. Part of it is the Utah implosion, but it has been impressive how well the, the Mavs have played without him. Again, Utah, a big part of that, but I think Jason Kidd should also, I'm not going to go full-blown Dave and Alameda here, but Jason Kidd, <laughs> Jason Kidd deserves a lot of credit. He's, he's done a hell of a job, Whitey. Yeah, I, he surprised me what a good job he's done there. I, yeah, I said that earlier, yeah, with the buy-in uh, defensively. The thing with Luka, I know exactly where that texture is coming from, and it's kind of hard to watch sometimes. Not as hard to watch as Harden was with the Rockets. But, of course, and we all know this, it's by design. It's not like a guy out there going, give me the ball, I'm being selfish. That's That's the way it's set up. He's supposed to run the show, um, and – 
yeah, give Dallas credit, but this is just a proof positive, as we were just saying, that this Utah Jazz, their core, their run is over. There's just, you couldn't ask for any more clear proof that, yeah, this you guys have gotten as far as you're going to get with this thing. How about this from the Xfinity Mobile text line, 574 area code. I, I want to run this one by you because it is, it is a bit of a, a, maybe a bit of a hot take. Uh, Draymond Green is playing like he did in the 2016 playoffs, and I think he is currently the team's MVP. Wow, that's a bold one. He's playing well, but MVP? Who Who's the MVP of this series? It's got to be Jordan Poole, right? Yeah, I think so. But Draymond, Draymond's doing the things that Draymond always does that don't always show up, and there's all the focus on the shooting numbers, as there should be. But um, here's here's I got some numbers that maybe back that up on Draymond. This was at NBA.com. So Draymond Green, I think I mentioned some of these earlier. Um, let's see. Draymond Green, when he's guarding uh, Jokic so far, so it's like about 20 minutes where he's been guarding Jokic, and he's given up 44 points, but 44.2% shooting from Jokic, one of 10 from the three-point line, and as I said earlier, Jokic, while Draymond's guarding him, six assists and seven turnovers. We're talking about an MVP, maybe a two-time MVP. And Draymond, giving up so much in terms of size and weight, um, he's really done a really good job on Jokic. It's not just Draymond. It's the schemes and the way everybody plays together, which he organizes. But he has been vitally important to how easily – um, the, the Warriors have beaten Denver in this series so far. There, I th- Steve Kerr was answering a question after the last game. I'm, you were there. You might have asked a question about how Draymond ranks as the all t- among the all-time great defenders. And I think that's a fair question right now to ask. I'm not saying, yep, he's the best ever, but I think it's fair. And I know, you know if Greg in San Francisco, if he's listening, here comes his text because <laughs> he, he doesn't agree. But right now I think it's fair. That's how important Draymond has been to what the Warriors are doing defensively. Well, and where, how did that come out? I know you and Ray were talking about that. You were sitting in for, for Damon yesterday. How did that conversation, like, where, where I'm curious, like, where, where did you have him among the top all time? Maybe where did Ray have him among the top all time? Well, I knew where Ray would go, and I, it's one of these things where I asked the question, I know, you know, I could guess. Usually he says, well, Chamberlain, but I knew he was going to go Bill Russell, which he did, and maybe that's true. The thing about going back that far, it's hard because you don't have all the metrics on those guys, you know, that we have now. And the metrics and all the stats and the advanced stats, they're not proof positive, but with Bill Russell, who played in the 60s, like, you just don't have them. They didn't even uh, split offensive and defensive rebounds there. It's just rebounds. So he says Bill Russell – Tough to disagree. I'm not sure, um, but Draymond certainly in terms of versatility, that's where he has an edge on even guys like, you know, Jordan was such a great defender, but the fact that Draymond can play so many different positions and also the way he not only plays good defense, but organizes the defense for you, like a linebacker or like Bob Sanders in the Colts Tampa 3. So that's where I think you can make a strong case. I'm not sure where I have him yet, J.D. I certainly have him... Um, I think in the top five as all-time defenders, I don't know how high I want to rank him. I got to look at it more closely, but that's an awful lot considering the size disadvantage he has as a center, but it's the versatility and the way he sets the tone for them defensively and organizes the defense that I think sets him apart from some of the other great defenders of all time. Like Dennis Rodman didn't have those same responsibilities, but he was a great defender. Right, and the the way that, that Draymond's able to guard 
the multiple positions yes. I think is is so unique and 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 that's been pointed out but I think also the ability to guard bigger players at mm-hmm. at the level that he's been able to to just for the first couple of games of this series completely stymie Nikola Jokic and then able to come through in a big way as far as the the big moment you know Jokic handed it to him and Draymond said so after the game handed it to him a little bit in game three but still able to make one of the biggest defensive plays of the game against him the steal that uh, essentially sealed the sealed the victory in, in the final minute yeah because he knew it was coming right because he knew that's what Jokic was going to do. And that speaks to what I was talking about earlier. Denver's just so deliberate. Yeah, they want to slow down the pace, but sometimes in the half court, it's like they're just too slow to make a decision. So Jokic just, it's almost like, hey, I'm going to dribble the ball here. So if you want to steal it, this is your chance. Draymond's just too smart. I mean, all the great defenders are smart. I don't think you can be a great defender and not be very smart, but he's among the smartest of them all. He just learns from his experiences here, and it's been remarkable to see what he's done to Jokic probably as important or nearly as important as what Poole has done but of course Poole's shooting as it should gets all the attention yeah and let one other one I wanted to his shooting has been tremendous and and I think a big factor I think if you go with MVP of this series to this point I, I think you'd have to give it to, to Jordan Poole with three of the the better games that anybody's ever had in their first three playoff <laughs> games. What, what he's done statistically has been historic in the in these first three games. A couple on the, the text line I wanted to get to here as far as uh, the game tomorrow and how the Warriors play it out. 6-5-0, do the Warriors let off the gas and give new guys uh, experience, some of the younger players, let the old guys rest a little bit or close it out? finish and rest longer I think that the latter is the answer there you never want to take any chances in a playoff series of try now that being said it wouldn't surprise me if maybe Kaminga did get a few minutes tomorrow it it, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a, a maybe a five minute block carved out for him somewhere in the game just to get him on the court in the playoffs in a meaningful type situation He's only played to this point in the series when when the first two games were decided. JD, I I hate to do this, but that question, um, I that we lifetime ban for that texture, uh, eligible for reinstatement Whoa. next segment, eligible for Whoa. reinstatement uh, next segment. Uh, but come on, I mean, are you not paying attention to what's going on here? How vitally important it is for the Warriors to wrap this thing up and get that that extra rest? Of course, if, if, if that's the primary goal here. Win the series, get the rest. You're not going to, hey, let's let some of the other guys play and see how it goes, and, and we can rest our stars during that. So I'm sorry. I just I think we know better of people who listen to the show, and thank you for listening. I do appreciate it. But I'm sorry. Lifetime ban for that texture. Eligible for reinstatement next segment. That's not, that's not a great question. Right? That is not no, text of the day. No. Not text of the day. Finish it. Text of the day was already Steiny. Steiny for the text <laughs> of right. the day. And we already like text of the day. We're we've closed the book on text of the day early when on the personal text line uh, we were talking about the Memphis comeback against Minnesota and, and will it have a lingering uh, impact in, in case you missed it on, on the series and a whitey you're inclined to think, Hey, Memphis is going to handle the rest of the way here. Uh, Steiny intending to send a group text to me and whitey <laughs> accidentally sent, 
the group text to me and Whitley Sandretto, our, our director of, of digital uh, yeah. here and, and reporter covering the Warriors as well. And Not the first time that's <laughs> happened, by the way. Yeah, and it was a it was a great. He he gets text of the day in part for that, but the ac, the answer, which obviously you did not see because he sent it to to me and Whitley, <laughs> Minnesota too dumb to know their soul was taken in game three. <laughs> so he thinks they'll be all right tonight because they just don't feel the pain. Yeah, maybe so. I just you know offensively down the stretch. Minnesota, they had nowhere to go. And you can see it's almost like Patrick Beverly is like, all right, I'm taking over. Um, and the Ant-Man tried a little bit, and he's going to be a great player. He's a really good player now. Every time I see him, I think he's better than he was the last time I saw him, and I already knew he was a good player. But that was clearly a case where you got to run things through Carl Anthony Towns and give Memphis credit. They were able to shut that off. But um, Minnesota just looked hapless. They looked like what we used to always say about the Minnesota Timberwolves. They looked like the team that needed Jimmy Butler, right, to get things going again. So that had to be a very disheartening showing for them. To Has that ever happened before? You lose two 20-point leads at home in a playoff game? Two separate 20-point leads, including a 26-point lead? I don't know that it's ever happened. That's going to be a tough one to bounce back from. Yeah, it definitely will be. The 5-1-0, closing out the, the MVP of the series conversation. Uh, if this was the NFL, Poole would win offensive player of the, of the series. Draymond would win the MVP. I'm surprised. Uh, 408, Draymond, the MVP this time, same way, in the same way Iggy got his MVP in the finals. Debatable, uh, but arguable. And then you called out Greg, and Greg... Uh, he he nice. he got his shot off. Draymond Green has been averaging eight points and six rebounds in this series. Jokic, who I believe is overrated, is averaging twenty nine points, including a thirty seven uh, and eighteen game. Uh, th- this is nonsense. Folks who understand basketball know the difference between a franchise power forward and a fraud. Green is the <laughs> latter. So, quick quick thought on that. We'll pause and, and come back here for the final hour. I just want to say Draymond, the thing that really stands out in these first three games, only three games, he's shooting 38% from the three-point line. How about that? When's the last time you saw Draymond do that? I think you have to go back to 2016 when he shot 38% from the three-point line. Playoff Draymond. Playoff Draymond. Greg, though, in San Francisco, still (laughs) unimpressed. All right, we got one more hour to come. I'm in Denver. John Dickinson, Whitey Gleason. Warriors this week continues here, 95-7 the game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.